And welcome back to Bar Down Breakdown. I'm your host, Mikey Ryan, live from the Hive, joined by my boy, Tommy V, from the land of Disney. Tommy, what's going on, brother? Oh, you know, just the the cabin fever starting to set in, you know? I uh, have eaten a bunch of Fig Newtons. Uh, that's doing something to me. I don't know. <laughs> it could be the fig or it could be the Newton, but uh, oh, it's uh, it's getting started to get a little weird. But you know, luckily we've got uh, we've got this to keep us sane, and you know, I've got my fiance, and you know, you've got you know Caitlin and Rufio. But it's starting to get weird. Honestly, I I don't know if I said it on this podcast or not, but uh, you know, since I'm a teacher, I'm off over the summers. And, you know, all my friends work normal nine to five jobs. Caitlin works a nine to five job. So over the summer, I'm basically by myself the whole time. And that screws up with my like psyche and stuff, man, like being home with nowhere to go and like not too much to do. Mm -hmm. I I don't really like it. So (laughs) most teachers like they live for their summer. I really don't like my summer vacation. But since the past week and a half, I've been working from home and doing like online learning for my students. Mm -hmm. I actually have enjoyed it because Caitlin's home and just having her home does a world of difference, man. Yeah, because you're not like sitting there like lonely by yourself and have no one to interact with. And I mean, that's something that, you know, I can take some solace in because, you know, while we're you know, home intermittently for, you know, what's going on with the pandemic, you know, Amanda is home with me. So at least we have, um, one another to, to bounce off of, you know, and to like talk to and conversate with, because, you know, I mean, you know, you could plug in and, you know, sit around and play video games for hours. I mean, like, you know, I've you know done that with, with NHL and Madden and, you know, a bunch of different games. I mean, you could just kind of zone out, but like when you snap back to life, you're like, disoriented and like you know you just want to be able to like go out and do something but you've got to you know hunker down and realize that it's not the right thing to do so you know we've touched upon it so many times but you know once more people realize that you know the quicker this will hopefully go away and we can get back to normal but um well my my county actually (laughs) just announced that on thursday they're switching over to like the the mandatory lockdown um except for essential you know, businesses. So even though I have been doing a great job, it's just more, yeah. more official that yeah. they're, they're not letting people just like drive around town or go to like target or the mall or whatever, just because they're, you know, trying to stretch their legs and get cabin fever. But yeah, exactly. And, and that, and that's the thing. It's just like, you know, it's, it's not great for, for anyone. I mean, you know, no one wants to be cooped up inside you know, no one wants to wants to feel like they can't, you know, go go out there and get some fresh air. And I mean, you can do all those things. You just have to be smart about what you do. You know, just take a walk around the block, you know, walk to the, you know, walk a mile and come back. You know, as long as you're, you know, practicing safe social distancing and you're not, you know, in crowds like, yeah, go outside, you know. But at the same time, you know, the whole idea of you know, oh my God, I've been in the house for a week. Let me go to Target to just browse around. Like, no, that's it's not what we're supposed to be doing. So, I think it's a good thing that um, you know companies themselves are are 
imposing sanctions on people and the government is. It's just, you know, we just got to contain this so we can uh, get back to some normalcy, you know? Well, I, I have to add, you know, and compliment you. One thing that has helped so far with this quarantine is the trivia night we had on Sunday. Huh. And oh, yeah, right. that was absolutely ridiculous. I just wish that there was a way that we could all see each other. So, yeah. you know, maybe switching over to like do it on Zoom or something or Google Meets or something so we can all see each other. Yeah. But just watching you and Amanda and your ridiculousness was yeah. unbelievable. And God, as Amanda got more drunk, she got way, way more silly. Oh, my gosh. And she, you she just kept... kept getting so mad. You were like, because she would just would say like hi to everyone when they joined the, the Facebook live. And I kept telling her, I was like, you're 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 doing like you're doing the influencer thing. Like like when like, you know, influencers would go on and they're like go live and they're selling their makeup. They're always like, hi, Anne. Hi, blah. And like she just kept doing it so much. And like she, as she got more and more drunk, she would just like interrupt me like in the middle of like asking questions and i mean i had a blast nonetheless i think we're actually going to do it again uh, this upcoming sunday we're uh gonna work on what category we want to do we might actually do um uh, we're stuck me and amanda are kind of stuck in between but we might do like a like a big foodie trivia thing because one of the things the feedback we got was that some of the questions were a little bit difficult and geared towards a specific um demographic which they kind of were because like i had cultivated most of those questions for uh I was going to do like a trivia night at my job. So I tried to keep it like very like, you know, 20, you know, 25 to kind of 45 sort of age range. But so we're going to cultivate some stuff and see. But it was a blast. Um, you know, I, I hope that uh, we can keep doing it. And, you know, I hope that over time, you know, we could even, you know, uh, bar down can have, you know, a, a trivia night where maybe we do some hockey trivia or some music trivia and you know, hope we're able to cultivate that. Or, yeah, both a little bit of both, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I think that'd be awesome. I think a hockey music trivia night for Bardown is what we need to do next. And uh, oh, absolutely, absolutely. I and, think uh, it'd and, be you know, fun to I interact with the people that listen, um, because clearly people are listening that are not just our friends. <laughs> yeah. So I'd love to interact with them and you know show yeah, our absolutely. personal side. And and I and like I said, and I think right now we need this kind of stuff. You know, we need ways to interact with one another. Um, and, uh, that's another thing that, you know, we'll, uh, we'll talk about after, um, after this awesome interview, we got lined up, uh, you know, a lot of artists are now, you know, going on and doing live streams, uh, you know, so people can, you know, enjoy their music from the comfort of their own home. And, you know, they're putting up, uh, their, um, you know, their, their Venmos and PayPal's for donations and things like that, because like we had discussed for a couple of episodes, how, you know, it is very, very difficult to be a touring musician in these kinds of times. So, uh, you know, on our outro, we'll, I'll kind of touch more upon that uh, just because it is a, a super cool thing that a lot of artists are doing. But uh, to set it up, uh, we've got uh, an awesome guest today um, that I'm very, very excited uh, to get to chat with. These are uh, one of my favorite bands. Uh, we've got uh, Michael, Michael Weiss from Me Without You, uh, who's going to chat hockey and uh and music with us um again like i said i couldn't be more excited to uh you know to talk to him like i said me without you is one of my favorite bands um you know unfortunately they announced uh last year that this is going to be their final year uh as a an active band uh, they've been around gosh since probably 2000 so almost a 20-year career 
But, um, you know, we're going to uh, chat with Mike. We're going to talk about, uh, you know, their decision to end the band, what, uh, you know, went into that, their career, and a couple of fun, quirky things about them. So, Mikey, do you have uh, anything to add to that? I guess I'll just tell my personal story now because I'm sure Mike doesn't want to hear it. But uh, <laughs> that time we went to see them in Williamsburg, uh, yep. it was them, KK and his Weathered Underground, and the Deer Hunter. And, and we got there, we got to Brooklyn pretty early. And those of you who are familiar with Long Island know that getting from Long Island to Brooklyn is not an easy endeavor. No. And it takes a long time with many different train transfers and waiting around and such. So we started the journey to Brooklyn pretty early in the day. And, you know, this is when I was still doing a little bit of boozing. And uh, <laughs> we just long story short, we were pretty, pretty drunk by the time we got to the to venue. And uh, we were probably 25, 26 years old at the time. And Tom yeah. <laughs> almost didn't get in the venue. Because it was a sixteen and sixteen and over show. Yeah, and I forgot my ID. And you forgot yeah, your ID. Damn. Here we were, like drinking in the city, drinking in in Brooklyn, having yeah. no issue. Yeah, and then getting almost denied because you didn't have your ID and it was sixteen and over. That was I great. I had to end up giving the the door guy like twenty bucks that so he'd let me in, and uh, he did let me in, and then. Um, you know, I mean, it's an awesome show, but, uh, you know, Mikey had, uh, had a few too many and just kept uh, yelling, it's always sunny in Philadelphia quotes and, at the and poor singing, guys and me without and you. singing day singing man. Day man, right? Yeah. It was, it was so ridiculous. But I guess <laughs> to tie it all together, after that show, we were on the train. And that's when we met the dudes in, well, at least I met the dudes in Envy on the Coast. That's right, and yeah. So this is probably 2010. So, mm-hmm. you know, going on a 10-year-long friendship with them. But, yeah. uh, you know, Danny was with us, and mm-hmm. he ended up marrying Taylor Boz, who's, a, you know, a mutual friend. And it all basically comes down to that train ride. Because if we weren't on the train at the same time as them, who knows if we would have found out that we yeah. were huge hockey fans and yep. got into these crazy competitive pickup hockey games with them. And, you know, years later, Danny's yeah. having a kid with Taylor Boz. They're married like yep. crazy, crazy stuff. The world, the world is, is a, is a circle, you know, it, it, it's all circular and, and how things come together and how serendipitous it is. And, you know, it was, um, and it was a great thing that we're all together that night, and uh, you know we we all got to uh, you know experience some great music and uh, really be a part of something. Uh, so uh, you know having me without you, you know, you know Mike from uh, me without you on on our podcast is is kind of another full circle thing for us. You know we get to you know talk to uh, you know a member of a band who is instrumental and in, you know big big things in our lives, and uh, really looking forward to it. So uh, you know without further ado, I will get into our interview with uh, Mike from me without you. And we really hope you guys uh, enjoy it. And if you're uh, digging it, you know, please like, comment, subscribe, you know, BDBD podcast. And uh, that's that's, I think, our handle on Twitter. Just, uh, you know, get with us because we got content coming, you know, in waves and and we'd we'd love to hear what you think about it. So uh, here's our interview. Mike for me without you.
And we're back in the box with Mike Weiss of Me Without You. Hunkered down, rocking his Flyers gear. You guys can't see it, but he is decked out right now. He is representing. (laughs) Sean Couturier, scarf. And then this had a nice, this Flyers, this knit hat had like a nice puffy thing on it, but it fell off. But I'm still, I'm still rocking the Flyers hat. And there you uh, go. I'm uh, I'm really really happy to have been invited onto the podcast. Thanks, guys. Oh, dude, the pleasure's ours. Like, once Dusty mentioned that you were a hockey guy, I was like, holy crap! I did, I don't know how that slipped through my radar, and I was like, we got to get Mike on. So I'm glad that we were able to work this out. Heck yeah, man! So, uh, oh, well, I, I was I was just gonna you know jumping right into it. Obviously, um. You know, usually the way we do this is like, you know, uh, we, we kind of segment it, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I don't want to say that like, I'm more of the music guy than Mikey and Mikey's more of the hockey guy, but that's usually kind of the way it, it pans out. Um, but when it comes to, you know, you guys in, in me without you, I mean, like I wrote probably like 20 questions that I want to ask you and I'm probably only going to ask you like five of them, but <laughs> hey man, but, um, you go ahead and ask me anything, <laughs> man. But, uh, just to, you know, obviously the first thing, uh, you know, I, I, I can't tell you how long I've been a, a, a me without you fan. And it's um, just a, a total blessing to really have you uh, on here. We could chat with you. So I'm, I'm very, very excited. But, you know, so obviously, uh, you know, last year you, know, you guys came out and, and said that, uh, you know, this year is going to be your your last year as an active band. Uh, you know, obviously you guys have been at it for, you know, near 20 years, you know, seven studio albums, all a bunch of other releases. So. Um, you know, what were you looking forward to? I mean, obviously everything with the pandemic aside, but like what were some of the things you were looking forward to focusing on, uh, like in the absence of being in a full-time band? I'm looking forward to um, making music after Me Without You is over, really more than anything. I I think um, my focus is still on music. Um, okay. I'm, I'm very, very uh, motivated and... Um, I can't think of anything else I'd rather be doing with my time. So it's just going to be a matter of, um, you know, finding the right situation and um, keeping myself kind of open to whatever could come next. Um, I think in the, in the interim, it'll keep me at home a lot more, which I'll be able to spend a lot more time with my kids. Awesome. Um, Yeah. It's just so heartbreaking to leave for tour uh, when you have, I have a three, a five-year-old, a seven-year-old and a 10-year-old and, and, um, wow. they are my world, three sons. Sure. And, uh, I just, I'm looking forward to having more time with them, Excellent. um, you know, and just sort of, um, developing, uh, maybe some skills in the trades a little bit just to kind of keep me, uh, you know, working. Sure. And, sure. Uh, yeah. So I think it'll be. It'll be, uh, you know, it'll be a big change for me. Um, but I'm, I'm trying to keep my, my heart open to whatever happens. Excellent. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's, you know, that's a great thing. Um, you know, obviously having a family, you know, being on the road is a tough thing. I mean, I think, uh, as we get older, as you know, the, the musicians and the bands that we love to listen to, you know, get older and start to you know, develop lives outside of music, it's, uh, it's a hard thing. And, you know, I guess when it kind of starts becoming, 
you know, quote unquote work, you know, when it's like, Hey, you know, like I got to go, you know, tour for, for two months, you know, cause this is my job. This is how I put food on the table. You know, I guess it kind of starts to almost like pull a, a little bit of that. Um, maybe not negativity, but just pull a little bit of that. You know, this is what I do because I love to do it for fun. But now it's like, well, you know, I, I want to be with my family, but you know, I, I got to go out there and, and put food on the table. So I guess once it gets to that point, you've got to reevaluate where you're going and, and how you're doing it. Uh, you know, I, I'd think. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, another way that I can stay sort of involved in music and something that I've been doing for 13 years now actually is, um, mm. teaching guitar lessons, which I love oh, to do. That's and, awesome. And I can do that from Skype. I've done, yep. I have a lot of students on Skype and I do obviously in the, uh, greater Philadelphia area. Um, I have students. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's not that you, you know, it's not that you, you just drop all the things that you love as life kind of moves forward. Yeah. It's just a restructuring of, of how you're going to do it. And, um, in the meantime, you know, I'm just so happy to have been able to do the band for so long and we've been yeah. able to do, um, everything like that I could have dreamed, you know, it's mm -hmm. like, um, we probably played over 1200 shows. Um, we've done, we've toured the world and yeah, we've made, like you said, seven records. I think that like, I can kind of check all those things off the list and like mm -hmm. really be proud of, of everything, which I am. And, and that's just, um, it's just been a phenomenal ride. Cool. Cool. And then, uh, you know, just, just, just one more, uh, you know, thing. And then, uh, we'll, we'll get to some hockey stuff too. Cause I'm sure Mikey's got a ton of questions, but, um, you know, so for, for me, when, you know, when I look at your catalog, right. So I look at, uh, a to B life, you know, and then everything through untitled and, you know, they're two completely different works of art. I mean, you know, but you could see how the 16 year years between those two records can completely influence the creative process. And, uh, the two records being so vastly different, um, you know, like what were the other artists that you guys, like you as a band drew influence from at each time that helped you shape your, shape your music. So I guess like 2002, what were you guys listening to that helped you create A to B life? And, you know, 2018, what were you listening to that, you know, helped you shape what Untitled came to be? Well, when we made A to B life, it was a time where we were, you know, I, we were really young um, mm -hmm. and we'd just sort of been, um, we've been exposed to so much amazing music in our uh, adolescence in our high school years and even in college of course we just sort of had it was like a fertile time um where the guitar itself was kind of newer and so i like to take my inspiration from bands that i could kind of like somewhat um grasp what they were doing so like fugazi was a was a band where because i started playing music as a bass player and the the grooves that you find on um like a fugazi record that rhythm section it yeah. really took it took the energy of my adolescence where i was really into like hardcore and punk like mm -hmm. um the energy and the message and like the excitement of those genres but also like infusing like a music musicality and um something that wasn't just like, like yeah yeah for sure or um, and it had a different element to it that like, uh, it really, um, 
it really like um kind of spoke to a part of me um and uh i think smashing pumpkins was another big one where um i couldn't play guitar like in in the way that billy corgan solos come across just so um virtuistic um like a virtuoso i don't know if that's the right word but anyway no um, no absolutely it is yeah no i I get what you're saying yeah but yeah but but the way that they would play power chords and um you know i was really i was personally really into um like okay computer came out in 97 so like johnny greenwood was a huge inspiration for just how you can use effects and and um create these crazy sounds um i just remember me and chris kleinberg the other guitar player in that time we just had these um these processors and we would just you know we would experiment with all the all the ways we could make like you know a big sound on ab life was just these weird sweeping like phasers and um delays and things like that um so yeah and then like kind of you wanted to kind of fast forward to like the last record yeah, yeah. I was just saying, like, you know, what, you know, how over over those 16 years, you know, I mean, like, you, you know, you listen to Fugazi and, and the Pumpkins and, and all that kind of stuff. Now, fast forward to 2018, you know, what what were you guys listening to, you specifically collectively, that shaped Untitled? Because, again, Untitled, when I listen to it, it's such a different record, but that's to be expected after that time. So, you know, what shaped you or is shaping you now? Um. I've been um I've been kind of stuck on a lot of um like things that I want to do with the guitar that like I feel like I've already done and and I just don't want to try to um just sort of fall back on the old sort of tricks that I have in the bag so it's been challenging like when you've made seven records um it's it's uh, it's hard to figure out like what is now what's what am i trying to do so i've been i've been taking out you know the synthesizer a little bit um i've been kind of really excited about creating kind of heavier sound not not industrial music or anything and i don't have a drum machine or anything but um <laughs> i kind of right. spring off of synth sounds i still love playing guitar don't get awesome. me wrong sure. um but yeah, like I've been I've been just trying to um take my guitar playing to another level instead of, you know, just sort of listening to um you know, my influences that have kind of shaped me um sure to to, to like create like another kind of you that you sounding song. I just kind of I don't I want to try to learn how to I I'm trying I'm writing music right now that's like really hard for me to play like I'm not okay. even I can't play it yet but I'm so it's kind of cool because I have to learn how to play it and um yeah it's 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 cool to just getting it out of your head and um realizing like oh wow like I can't actually do this but yeah let's practice it and so that's kind of cool um just trying to see what's next and um yeah i've got some cool stuff i'm working on while we're sort of on lockdown Mm -hmm. i've had um a lot of time to sit down um and you know just get away from all the craziness and um yeah i'm just looking forward to maybe doing a performance on our instagram account like uh, our, our bass player did the other day greg did a great little three song um little concert from his room and um 
So yeah, that, that's sort of what's on the plate right now. Just maybe thinking about something that I can share yeah. um, with the Mew that you, uh, fam, all the people that, that have followed us and listened to our music. And um, so yeah, I'm just sort of, um, I take a lot of inspiration right now from a guy named Nick McCabe. He was the guitar player from, uh, from The Verve. Um, if you listen to his stuff, he's like very, um, like his music is very, um, it's kind of hazy and kind of like trippy, but it's also like uplifting. And I kind of feel that way right now. It's like a very strange time with a lot of confusion, but like, it's really nice to kind of catch a tune of positivity that kind of like is just buzzing around, you know, wherever. So yeah, something I'd like to do right now is just make, um, make some cool sounds that people can kind of catch um you know a song maybe like on their own with and um yeah i don't know so mike how do you think the music industry is going to change because of this whole like hunkering down and 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 you know keeping our social distance and things like that i you know i we have seen some bands doing some more online performances like you said so do you think that the music industry is going to change or they're going to get right back to old ways of doing things. No, I'm sure. I'm sure that things are going to go back to normal. Um, There's going to be, you know, shows and concerts again. In the meantime, I think, um, you know, when that, you know, before that happens, uh, yeah, you can just see the shift where people are trying to connect with their audiences. And, um, I, I don't know. I think that there will be, you know, more performances done through, um, you know, these uh, like through social media. But um, I don't think it's ever going to be more in the future. I think people are really going to still want to see music played like in person. And, um, you know, whenever this thing starts to wind down um i think there's going to be a surge first of all like every band on the planet is going to be on tour <laughs> you know oh, yeah. um just to, just to start getting their career back on track um so i think people are going to really be excited to get out i think there's going to be a like a high demand for um for live music um but yeah, I mean, I've already seen the way that my, in my teaching guitar lessons, like how technology has um, expanded the possibilities for like, yeah, man, like I live in Mississippi. I don't, you know, yeah, we can do, we can get together and talk about music and like, we, I can like, you know, we can do a lesson that way. And um, I think that this whole pandemic is is like, a huge spotlight on all of these possibilities that, that have existed. Um, so yeah. And then, and people are going to be writing, rec- making records, like writing music in this time. I think it's just going to explode. Um, creativity has got to be churning across the world right now. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. I'm excited for that. So before we move into hockey, I just want to ask a question. How was it being in a band all these years with your brother? Because I don't think I could do it. Yeah, it just depends on who your brother is, you know? <laughs> um, that that answers a lot. 
Yeah, Aaron's Aaron's my buddy, man. All my life we've been so close and um we've done everything together from like being in high school, like kind of kicking around with the same friends, skateboarding and going to shows and then college we actually like went to the same school. Um and then we're in bands and 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 it's been that way and uh it's great. I mean he's uh he's a special guy i i'm so happy that he's my brother and uh you know we're um you know we're two guys in the band that 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 get each other really well so it's been cool and did he grow up a big hockey fan too no not not a big hockey fan um, I think if anything, he was sort of an Eagles fan once in a while, um, but not a huge sports guy. Um, but yeah, that's one of the, you know, one of the many differences between him and I. So then how did your love of hockey come to be? Well, I'm going to date myself here and, uh, just expose how old I really am. Um, <laughs> By mentioning when it was the year 1987. Now, this is oh, a time a year. before you guys were born. Yeah. That was when um, we were born. I was, <laughs> yeah. I, um, I was just obsessed with, um, with the Stanley Cup finals where the Flyers, and I guess you could say, at, you know, at that time I was 10 years old. I was... Um, introduced to hockey because mainly because the flyers were, were, um, were in the Stanley cup finals against the Edmonton Oilers. Um, so, um, I think that series went to game seven and they lost. Um, but from that moment on, I was, I was obsessed with this sport. It was, it just captured my, my attention. Um, the physicality, the speed, the the sheer uh talent that it took for these these guys to be doing what they were doing and um i just i just fell in love and uh you know there's been times where i've been in more like involved and like like paying more attention than others um but particularly in the past uh let's see like 12 years I've been really like die. I've been really in it. Like, um, I used to play when I was in middle school, I started playing again about 12 years ago. So I've been playing in a, like a, you know, a men's league for about 10 years. So, um, yeah, just been just in love. It's such a huge, um, just love of my life. So brings tears yeah, the, to my eyes that's beautiful <laughs> the interesting thing about about that season uh that that 86 87 season uh, that was um i don't know it was one of the seasons where where gretzky was going crazy but um i think that was the year like that was like hextall's first year um uh, you know on the on the flyers i think that was actually his debut season but he ended up winning the playoff mvp right so he won this like the, the stanley cup playoffs mvp but they didn't win the cup I, right. I mean, I'd have to kind of defer to you on that, Mikey, being being the the hockey mind. But like, does that often happen? Like, th- does it usually happen where like you'll get an MVP of the playoffs that didn't necessarily win the cup? 
I don't uh, know. I'm not 100% sure on that one. Um, but there, there's sometimes just players that, you know, steal, steal a series or, you know, steal the spotlight. And, you know, Ron Hextall, the, the goalie that always scored goals, man. How do you not love yeah. Ron Hextall? <laughs> Lightning strikes twice. He actually scored two. I, uh, I'm kind of, I was kind of sad to see him go, um, as a general manager recently, but, um, it was cool having him in the, in the organization, um, up until last year. And, uh, yeah, he's one of my favorite players and, um, yeah, always just ready to throw down. If you, you know, I, I gotta say like, he uh he definitely kept the flyers in that series um and yeah it's it's been a big thing with the flyers as far as why we haven't been able to kind of get over that that hump you know that that series against the blackhawks in 2010 ended with a terrible terrible goal um scored by patrick kane on michael layton which should have never have gone in um now, you know, we've gone through like, you know, Brzezgalov, we let go of Bobrovsky. We've had just all these really snake bit kind of scenarios, like just weird, you know, um, Emery, um, just weird things. Like he passed away and very sadly, there's just been, you know, a lot of bad goalie mojo in Philadelphia. And so now that we've got um, the kid, um, who looks legit um carter hart um yeah. there's a there's a spark here we're we're looking at this um this team like wow this is a huge piece uh we just got to keep you know keep getting this kid uh more and more experience and um before this um pandemic came it was you know we were i think we were I think the past 10 games we were like nine and one or something like that. Yeah. You guys were, you guys were, you guys were streaking, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny as Islanders fans, um, you know, me and Mike here, we always say we're not an Islanders podcast. We're a hockey podcast, but we talk about the Islanders because we're both fans. And it's like, you know, I think we even said it on our last episode. It's like, you're sad to see hockey not being played right now because it's such a great sport. But uh, with, with how the Islanders were tanking, it's almost like, well, appreciate you stopping the bleeding. It's but, like know, when, for... the, when the stock market is crashing and then like the circuit breaker goes off and they say, yeah, right. like, we got to yep. stop this. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> and, and I mean, but for you, of course, you know, being a Flyers fan, man, I mean, you know, I, I, I can't imagine. I mean, you guys were on such a tear. I mean, you guys were, were pretty much poised to, you know, other than the Bruins, probably take the East, you know, by storm. So uh, yeah. it, you know, it must've been a super bummer, but, uh, you know, <laughs> I just like, I, I, I thank my lucky stars that, you know, I don't have to watch another Islanders game for, for a while. Cause that was rough. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you guys have seen some good and bad times, man. Sure like, have. And I'm always pulling for you. I like the Islanders to be honest. I hate the Rangers. Um, but there's a, I don't know. I have a special place in my heart for the Islanders. I don't know why. Maybe it's because like up until recently, well, the Flyers have been beaten up on the Islanders pretty good, like through like the 2000s. Um, but yeah, um, I don't know. 
I, I, I'm pulling for you. Um, who knows what would have happened? Like with the flyers, we, you know, we may not even have shoot, man. I haven't really thought about this. We may not even have like any kind of playoffs or any kind of, uh, just, it might be over, you know, just, it's tough to, it's tough to like to think about, but, um, yeah, we'll see what happens. Either way, I think the Flyers were looking at a, you know, a two seed, maybe a three seed. Um, I don't think they were going to take over um, the Bruins, but because that, I mean, that first line, Pasternak, uh, Marshawn, and um, I don't know who the other guy uh, who on that line. Um, you know, I don't, I didn't see those guys slowing down any, um, but you know. We would have been, I think we would have been in the Eastern Conference final. I think we would have had a good shot at going to the finals this year. Maybe it'll happen. I don't know. Maybe we'll have a playoff hockey without fans, maybe in the stands. I don't know. Man, I, I hope know. that doesn't happen. I would rather just no season. Like, no, don't finish the right. season. Because that, that's I know. One, one time when hockey really shines above all the other sports is in the playoffs. Oh, my gosh. Oh my gosh, you said it, man. And and like it just gets so intense because of the fans. And and every player is so focused and and is so like juiced up and it's just such a a physical game and and it's such a such a you're constantly thinking while you're on the ice. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. there's no pause, there's no out of bounds. Um I don't know. I I really, I just, sometimes I just think about what is just what an amazing sport it is when it comes down to, um, really like what it is. It's just the game that you get the thing into the thing, right? Cause that's, that's (laughs) like so many sports, but, but hockey, I think does it the best. I think it's the fastest ever. It's, I don't know. It's 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 got more um more of a chess mentality. Like every player needs to kind of know yeah. exactly where they need to be and each move and it's constantly happening. Each move c- creates this new situation that it just ha- like and I respect other sports like that have this but you know soccer, you know, it's a great sport. I don't mean to, you know, put anything anybody down, but like Yeah, of course. It's just to me, hockey is the ultimate version of all these games, um, and uh, and the fans just make it so great. I agree, you know, like it'd just be too yeah. weird. I think hockey gets a bad rap sometimes um, by like you know casual hockey fans and people that don't really understand the game. Uh, you know that it's that it's you know brutality and fighting and. You know, people are checking one another, but in reality, it's probably the most cerebral of all the sports. Because again, like you're saying, you know, like every time a play is called, you know, every every time a specific, you know, player is on the ice, they're they're there for a specific reason. Whether they're, you know, a, a two way guy or a playmaker, or you know, it, like they all are are on the ice to specifically put like a pattern in place to make sure that that they're they're being successful and not like i don't know i don't think you you get that and i mean basketball to a degree as well because again a lot of moving parts but um you know baseball and football i think it's a lot of just like 
you know, go stop, go stop. Right. Stopping again. Now we're going again. And, and you know, I, I, like I said, I, I've been a Met fan all my life. So, I mean, I don't have any illusions about baseball. It's just baseball. It's very different. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Look <laughs> at you, man. I, you guys didn't see that, but my man just, just, just showed us his, his Philly shirt. And I mean, I will, I will say one thing, you know, being a Met fan and having that built in, <laughs> you doing it again, uh, that built in rivalry with the Phillies. Um, but I mean, that one, that Phillies team, man, uh, with, with, you know, Ryan Howard and, and Chase Utley, uh, man, what a, <laughs> what a team to watch though, man. I mean, like that was, that was baseball. Yeah. Jimmy Rollins too. Right? I mean, dude, that's a, that was baseball at its, at probably it's, it's best because it was just like so entertaining to watch. And I mean, you know, that uh, I could, we could talk Mets for, for way longer and I just don't want to, because I just, uh, Saw that uh, Syndergaard is uh, going in for Tommy John, which is like the worst thing I could have ever heard in my life. But say la vie. But, um, you know, just hockey is just like I said, it's it's such a cerebral sport. It, it is like a chess match. And I think you hit the nail right on the head there. It's just uh, uh, it's so much intensity. Um, and it's uh, it's just such a, a cool thing to watch. And, you know, speaking of intensity, um, just to kind of get back to um, just asking you know, just a, a quick music question here. So. Um, one of the things, and I mean, I, I, you know, I'm not going to sit here and toot my own horn, but like, I've probably seen you guys, like, I don't know, six or seven, eight times. I mean, a, a lot of times and every single time it's been great for, for a, a litany of different reasons. But, um, th- one of the things I've always taken away from your performances is, is just the intensity. And I mean, I played drums for so long and every single time I watch you play, I can't stop watching Ricky just like beat the crap out of his drums. And it's like one of my favorite things to do, but I mean, I, you know, I recall a show in Brooklyn where uh, you guys are playing bullet to binary. And right before the French part comes in, Aaron just like points at someone. He's like, I'm coming for you. Just launches himself right into this person. It's just like uh, the intensity. It's just on a, on a different level. And I guess the question I have for you is like, how do you guys maintain that level of intensity? Uh, but like still like every single time I've seen you, it's like a note for note replication of your record. So like. How are you guys so good yet so intense? Like, I feel like a lot of bands, it's either one or the other. You either get a great show that's boring or an intense show that kind of doesn't hit the mark, but not you guys. So, like, so what is it about me without you? Why? Why can you do it? <laughs> um, well, thanks for the compliment. Um, yeah, of course, man. I I don't know. I don't think it, I don't know what band you're watching. I definitely can't. I, I don't know how um how accurate the guitars are sometimes, but um I don't I don't um I don't I don't focus as much when it comes down to being on stage and everything. Um mm-hmm. there's bands that you that you see that um you know, here's an example like a band like Paramore who they don't lack they don't lack any showmanship um, or like movement. Um, yeah. They also sound perfect when you hear that what's coming mm-hmm. out of the speakers. It's all done. Um, when I hear that band, I think, man, they're, they're, or Dr. Dog, to me, that's another band. Like they just, um, they make it look so easy. Um, I don't, 
think that um, we can hold a candle to those kind of bands. Um, but when we when when we do get on stage and it feels right, I do feel like the sacrifice is made to the sound sometimes. Um, but I don't think people notice it because there's just a real raw sort of spirit that's kind of taking effect. So I think what we've done is tricked you into thinking that you're listening to this really (laughs) good sound somehow. All right. Uh, uh, But that being said, I don't really care about it. Like I really like letting things just kind of happen as they, as they will. And when mistakes come about it's you know it's not preferred but i tend to not really dwell on too much now when i'm you know when we're making a record and all that stuff it's all down to business but um yeah of course yes yep no very very cool and um another one of the the things um you know i remembered from following you guys for years uh, was that you guys were touring in uh, in that uh, that old '70s bus that you converted uh, for uh, for vegetable oil for fuel? So, um, you know, I remember reading stories of you guys kind of like dumpster diving, like as you're on tour to get oil and stuff. So, um, I guess how did you come to own that vehicle? And then, like, do you have any cool stories around it that you'd have that you could share with us? Um, sure. We got the we got that bus. Um... A, a good friend of ours who drives our bus found uh, found that for sale in um, somewhere in Arkansas, and he he um, drove it up to Philly, and we took all the seats out, and we like we basically built the interior to spec, and um, really um, we really made it our home, and it's actually. Um, it's cool. We did get um, a system where we filtered veggie oil that we use as fuel because any diesel engine, um, especially like the older ones, like we had a Detroit diesel, mm-hmm. it was an AV, AV71, just an old school two stroke engine. Those all run on the um, vegetable oil. Like it's not a matter of like, well, we heard you got an engine that was special, you know, and all this. And it's just like, no, it's like it was the engine that came with the bus. It's in okay. all those buses. But, um, yeah, the trick is getting veggie oil for free and then getting it filtered so that it's clean enough to use as fuel and doesn't cause problems. So we did that as long as we could. There came a time where restaurants weren't willing to give it to us anymore because they were actually they went from needing to pay in order to have it removed to mm. getting paid to to for people like oh. that wanted mm. it Got so it. once they started so once the market sort of flipped on its head there it became really hard for us to get free veg oil and yeah. um you know like we did we did a lot uh, veg, a lot of miles on vegetable oil. And I like to think that, you know, not only did we save a lot of money, um, but we did, you know, help, um, you know, conserve, uh, you know, certain resources and, and so on and so forth. But, um, yeah, some stories about that. Um, I mean, we used to find things in the, like grease, 
bins, like we would see, find like dead, you know, dead possum in there or like <sighs> just like crazy, like, you know, I don't know. Just being on that bus was, was a lot of fun. Like, yeah, we used to play a game, like get to the, get, get, get through the, like, and out the bus. But like, so you'd mm-hmm. be like in the, the bunk world and like, like the whole rest of the group would be in the front lounge. And like the name of the game was just like, get out. But everybody <laughs> just like gets to like push you and wrestle. And it was basically just like, can you get out of the bus before like we basically like just knock you down and, and like, take you out? <laughs> so that was a fun game we played on the thrice brand new tour. Um, that was like one of the first tours we did with that bus. Um, yeah. We also had another kind of thing where you get bored and uh, you kind of lose your mind on tour sometimes. And I remember one time we were driving through the kind of slow through like a section of, I don't know, Colorado or somewhere. And we were playing this game where like you crawl from like the one emergency exit on the one end, like of the roof of the bus, like, there's two, there's one in the back and there's one in the front. And like, it was like, we ran a sheet from like the one all the way across the outside of the bus, like the top of the bus into the other. So basically like, it was like, while the bus was driving, like somebody would like get on the roof of the bus and like (laughs) crawl like across the top of the bus and having that sheet as like, you know, your oh shit kind of like yeah, right. safety net, you know? Uh-huh. But I remember being like, I'm not even going to touch this thing unless I need it. So we would like crawl. And I remember crawling across the top of the bus while it's driving. And now, and to be clear, it was only like 30 miles an hour. We weren't like flying down the highway or anything. <laughs> but yeah, you would like crawl across the roof and then like dip yourself into the front of the bus. Um, and I remember the cops approached us um saying they heard somebody was in a bus was was crawling out on the roof and that they should check it out and asked if we were the ones that were doing that and of course we were just like what are you talking about like why we would never do that so yeah like come on bro we're we're, we're adults like we don't yeah. we don't do that yeah come on man that's that's uh that's <laughs> do i look like an idiot um well yeah and, we and were really- idiots but it's it's really funny that you say that because like I'm I'm visioning you like had you had not clarified that you're only doing 30 I'm visioning you like Keanu Reeves on top of like yeah. a bus going like 60 miles an hour yeah exactly um, uh, but too. yeah right speed two style so um uh I guess an- another question so I mean obviously you know being out on tour for as long as you guys were you know like in between dates days off you know that kind of stuff like did you ever get any opportunities to you know like if you were in, you know, on the West coast or, or up in Canada, did you ever get a chance to, you know, catch, you know, some flyers away games as you were out on the road? Yeah, I actually just saw, um, the Kings play, um, when we were in LA on, on our last tour. Um, it, cause we played in LA and it was this venue that was like right in that, in that neighborhood. So right. it was, um, it was, New Jersey versus LA, um, two, two really horrible teams, whatever, but, um, <laughs> this year, 
But they, yeah. you know, I that was that was literally the first time I've ever been in another arena for hockey. It was, oh, it wow. was amazing. It was really cool because I was watching the game. I wasn't invested in it, like as far as who was going to win. I, you know, I wanted to see the Kings win, I guess. Yeah. But it was kind of cool just to watch the watch the game a little bit more from just like as a student of the game to kind of see where guys were like any given like moment in the game for in particular, like forwards, just kind of studying how they play. Um, so, um, I could learn more about, um, my, my little, uh, my being on, on my little team that, uh, sure. Yeah. Sweet. Did it it pay you to see, uh, Wayne Simmons? Yeah, I uh, I remember Wayne Simmons used to be on the Kings, and then he was on the Flyers, and now then he you know he's on the. Actually, was he on the Devils that game? Yeah, I think he had not been traded to Buffalo yet, because that's where he is now, right? Yeah, yeah. Which okay. I feel like Philly could have been a perfect fit for him to go back to. I always thought we were going to get him back in my heart of hearts. I was hoping, um, but. You know, I miss him so much. I, he was one of my favorite players um, on that, you know, all those years. Um, he was on the Flyers. Um, just so much grit and, and so so good on the puck while he's on the boards and just fearless, um, you know, in front of the net. So and he we did miss so, him. And he did so much for, like, the community in Philly to, like, expand hockey to – you know, markets that normally aren't so into hockey and, you know, helping kids. kids Yeah. I don't know if you guys have the same kind of thing on long. Is it like, um, we have Ed Snyder's youth hockey. It's basically like Ed Snyder was the, uh, you know, he actually started the team back in the sixties. Anyway, he, um, he had this, he has this program where, you know, kids can play hockey as long as you have your grades up for free. Here in Philadelphia, I don't know if you guys have that on Long Island or whatever. Um, um, we have something similar, but uh, Charles Wang actually has like the program in China. Cause, oh wow! Yeah, he was the owner, you know, before he passed away, and he tried to expand the game in China. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, yeah, and 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 uh, yeah, Simmer used to used to show up and do clinics and stuff like that. So miss that guy yeah that that that's the kind of guy that you know you want in the locker room for a long deep playoff run definitely but absolutely like like we said with dusty uh nate thompson could do a great job filling that role too though so that was yeah a a solid pickup too yeah i think we're slowly kind of you know i don't i'm not like um i'm not a big fan of 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 like it's kind of it's kind of weird to hear a Flyers fan say this, but like I'm not a big like hockey fight kind of fan. But um, all that aside, I think you know we we've had our sort of enforcers come and go, and um, you know the Carcillos and the you know Zach Ronaldos and all the you know. But the thing is, Wayne Simmons could kind of, he had all the skill of of any you know he could go toe to toe with any player, but he also had that sort of element. And losing him was kind of like the last of our sort of like presence of like sort of intimidation, um, which I think can exist in a way that you can play the game hard and just finish your checks 
and be like, you know, like Radical Gudis kind of like had that. But um, we've we, we've kind of like lost all those pieces and we're slowly kind of getting them back now to where we can kind of play like Flyers hockey a little bit more. Um, but yeah, it's really cool. Like where the team is going is exciting for me. Um, counting the minutes, we can see some NHL hockey again. So I can, you know, I just, you know, like you, you guys feel me, man. It's like, I, I keep thinking like, oh man, the Flyers are going to be on tonight. I'm just like, oh wait, no. Like that little, like in, way deep in the recess of my cranium, there's like the little, the hockey gland that's still like <laughs> hockey, hockey. And then I, it's like, oh yeah, not yet, buddy. We're going to have to wait, you know? Um, but it, it might be cool to have hockey over the summer though. So that could be something cool. Yeah, like what if they just what if they just kind of pick it up where they left off sometime in the future? But yeah, that's a good that's a that's pretty cool. That's a good idea, you know. Like just it'll probably be something where like the playoffs will just have to start, and um, based on the standings when when the season stopped, um, and um, I don't know, man. Like everybody's just watching. And waiting and wondering what the hell's going on. But in the meantime, yeah, it's fun to think about like, man, maybe we will get, a, you know, Stanley Cup playoffs this year. But we oh, shall see. yeah, we'll see. Now, you you mentioned, you know, Hextall and, you know, Simmons as being your uh, your favorite players. Um, do you remember what your first uh, Flyers jersey was? Was it a Hextall jersey? Rick Tockett. Um, he was like Rick Tockett was like one of our skill guys. He was um he was a goal scorer uh back in the late eighties, early nineties. And then um Peter Zezel was the other one I wanted. But um I remember making a Tockett jersey just out of like just I forget. Like I think I couldn't afford one because we had no money when we were growing up, but um yeah, Rick Tockett. Um, I think he was my favorite player from that era. Um, let me think. I think I had a Lindros jersey at some point. Um, Talk about what and, could have been, man. He, I think yeah. he could have been up there with you know Lemuse and Gretzky's the way he, you know, came into yeah. the league. Yeah. Um, it's 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 a shame what happened to him. Got cheap shotted cussed and sort of never was the same um but yeah um i was i was i went through like a scotty upshaw kind of like phase back in like the early early 2000s um because he was just like a grinder kind of like player um and yeah like i wanted to get a simmons jersey i never did um those are some of my faves how about you guys so my first jersey actually wasn't even an Islanders jersey. It was a Florida Panthers jersey, that expansion year. Because uh-huh. my, uh-huh. gra- my grandparents moved down there, and uh, th- that was like the gift that they... They didn't even probably know I was a hockey fan. They just moved to Florida, like, and everyone was talking about the Panthers and bought me a jersey. So that was my, first, awesome. my first hockey jersey. Um, 
my first Islander jersey actually didn't have any name on the back. It was just a regular blank, you know, the when they switched over to the Reebok jerseys in like the uh, yeah. early 2000s. That was the Oh, actually no, I'm totally lying. I had the when they made the playoffs in 2001, I had the CCM Islanders jersey but no name on the back. Gotcha. It's cool, man. Yeah, yeah I uh I hate it. I hate it. I always say that I hate it when I tell this, but uh, my first jersey was a Chicago Blackhawks Jeremy Roenick jersey. Um, <laughs> Roenick sucks, man. He is just uh, he is he's a, he's a weirdo, man. I kind of lost my weirdo, love for that man. guy when he started crying when the Blackhawks won the Stanley Cup, and yeah. I just thought, dude, you were on the Flyers, man, for a long ass time too, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, I don't like Jr. He's always. Yeah, just... I, I'm. I'm not a super fan of him either. Either, and then um, you know, with all that that came out with him being kind of a little bit of a creep. Um, I mean, it wasn't surprising, but at the same time, it's just man, I was so young. Um, to be honest, like the only reason I really like Jeremy Roenick is uh, like I, it probably stemmed from having a Sega Genesis and playing like NHL '95, and um, you know, That's they might have been like might've been like the default team to choose. And I was like, Oh, I, you know, these guys have cool colors and, you know, it just translated into, Hey mom, for Christmas, can, can I get like a Jeremy Roenick Jersey? And she was probably like, yeah, sure. Whatever, man, you know, and, um, and went for it, you know, but since then, I mean, um, you know, obviously I, uh, I, I look back on it and like, there's a lot of players that like when I was younger, like I had a thing for, for some reason, I really like Trevor Linden. I, oh, I, nice. I again, I don't really know why I had like a Trevor Linden poster. I don't know how I got it, <laughs> but um, but you know, it's kind of one of those crazy things. Um, and uh, the other question we like to ask all of our our guests, um, just to kind of throw it out there. So, you know, if you could, you know, if you look at your entire discography, you know, entire me without you discography, if you could pick any one song to be a Philadelphia Flyers goal song, so any one song that you could think, which one would you pick? Uh, well, that's a tough one. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, torches together is a good one, just to kind of bring everybody, like, you know, kind of unify. Like, yeah, we just yeah. scored a goal. You know. Um, I like that. Um, let me think. Um, yeah, like most of our music is kind of so moody and like dramatic. I'm trying to think of something that kind of reflects like a celebratory kind of like. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. <laughs> there in the market, dimly lit court, the chorus of that, like it's a song on brother sister. It's kind of like it sounds kind of like the Blood Brothers. Um, or um, yeah, I'd have to think of like parts of a song. Like um, yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. Um, yeah, and we we usually end up stumping a lot of a lot of our guests with it because it's like one of those things where like. Now you're you're sitting there, you're you're thinking about, I mean, with you guys, you know, a hundred songs you've written and you're like, man, what would, you know, work work super well? I mean, like you can probably say just because of how popular it is and how frenetic it is, you could probably say January 1979 to be like a sweet goal song. Or for me, yeah. for me, I mean, you know, I, I I'd probably say, I don't know, like Julia, maybe like yeah, kind of like like it's kind of like a big kind of like triumphant kind of melody, maybe I don't know. But yeah, no, but I, I mean, it, it, like I said, I, I know that's a that's a tough one, but we try to 
just you know if, if, in a world where that could that could ever happen for you i mean have you guys um have like you ever noticed uh, or ever like heard like any of your stuff being played like in, in a setting like that like in a in an arena or anything in passing anything like that happened no, to you guys but ever? I, I just um i was just watching one i think it was the last game before they canceled the rest of the season and um the song get out by circus survive played in between <laughs> um yeah um in between face-offs and um i thought that was pretty amazing for them yeah it it, it is i mean it, and it's funny you know we've uh We've had a lot of different guests on and a lot of different types of alternative bands, be them a little more aggressive, a little bit less aggressive. Uh, but, um, you know, it's just so wild. And the reason we do this podcast is because there is such a connection uh, between, you know, this kind of music, alternative music and hockey being, you know, what some would consider to be kind of like the alternative sport, if, if you might mm. call it that. Um, but, the you know, the connection there is is so strong um, that, you know, it's uh, it, it's something that we love to just exploit and get out there so people can really see it and, you know, kind of feel what we feel because, you know, both me and Mikey grew up loving, you know, this kind of music and loving hockey. And it was always the two things that brought us together. So, you know, learning how it brings other people together and uh, uh, it really is such an awesome thing. It, it is. Yeah, I think you're right. It's such an alternative sport. It's clearly fourth out of the top four in, in yeah. terms of like the size of the market and everything. Mm -hmm. Um and hockey fans are sort of, yeah, like in Philadelphia, there was just a big backlash where um, the Flyers just went on this huge winning streak, and it looked like we're, you know, we're gonna there was gonna be a lot of excitement for the playoffs, and then all of a sudden, sports radio started talking about them for the first time, like all year. Yeah, mm -hmm. in our city, it's just like it's about. 75% Eagles and then th the rest of the 25% gets split up between the other yeah. three and the Flyers literally got nothing, no attention. And, um, yeah, Flyers fans were sort of like, yeah, you're not allowed to, you know, talk about us now. Like you didn't like us before or you didn't yep. think it was interesting enough. Mm -hmm. You know, I think hockey fans in general have a chip on their shoulder a little bit just because, um, yeah, every I mean, look, I love football just as much as everybody else. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's tough to say. I mean, like the other thing about it is like sometimes a hockey team doesn't have a lot of like that, like, you know, in terms of like if you're not already a, span, a fan of the sport, like the actual mm -hmm. team has to sort of spark in your interest or something has to happen. And, you know, sometimes like the guys on the team and the interviews, you know, they can like say what you want about like guys like, um, you know, Marshawn or like, um, I don't know why his name is slipping my mind. I hate his guts, like uh, a passion with a passion is the, the dude who was on the Rangers who was Sean used Avery. to like Sean Avery. Avery. Yeah. Sean like you're Sean Avery's. <laughs> yeah. Like, like these kind of people, like, you know, they can be at least interesting to people outside that don't really know much about the sport. Mm -hmm. I think Sean Avery is a bad example because he was, he's such a douchebag, but, um, yeah. but yeah, like players that are just sort of like, I don't know, like, I don't know, like Ovi, like there's a great, you know, like I think yeah. in Philadelphia, if we had a guy like Ovechkin, um, I think 
more people would be interested in the Flyers in their in their like slumper, more slumped air like um you know patches. But yeah, exactly, right now yeah. it's like Claude Giroux, like he's kind of a boring guy. Like when you interview like Sean Couturier, he's just like, you know, I gotta say, like they're not the most interesting, like off the ice. So maybe that's why. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like hockey fans are special. Like we just love the game and um yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting culture. It's got its own language, little like a little like it's you know, I don't know if you guys ever kind of like got into sort of like all the like the glossary of like hockey and like I don't know. Um but oh, yeah, that's I don't like know. my favorite thing listening to hockey players mic'd up and like just Oh yeah. Oh, it's amazing. Like, you know, calling, you know, you called a pigeon or like, you know, f- you know, it's like, yeah, Ferda, you know, for the boys or like Every player's got, you know, got a nickname, you know, like um, Hartsey or like Coatsy or like, you know, um, Simmer or like, you know, everybody, you know, has like a nickname on the team. And it's just, I don't know, there's something about it that only certain people get. And uh, yeah, it's a different kind of brotherhood. You know, it really is. It's a yeah. it's a whole different thing. And especially, you know, you kind of hit the nail right in the head. It's like, you know, a lot of hockey fans might. Uh, might kind of, or I shouldn't say hockey fans or, or people who aren't hockey fans that kind of want to, um, you know, get into the sport, you know, might see some of the lack of charisma for some of these guys and be like, ah, you know, the, these guys are a little boring, but like for me, like lack of charisma. Yeah. But like, I always, I always consider it to be like a lot of these, these guys are like, since they're two or three years old, like all they know is like hockey, like, yeah. you know, the only, the only thing they care about you know, is, is getting to, to raise that cup in the air. And, you know, like, it's yeah. just the only sport where you'll see guys that are like interested and willing to take pay cuts to put themselves in a position where they can raise that cup, which is like the, what they've dreamed about, you know, since they're playing on the ice and, you know, Saskatoon and Edmonton and, you know, wherever the hell they are. So um, I, I think that is what makes the sport so special is just understanding that, you know, as important as your fandom is, they. Mm-hmm are feeling that just as much because all they want to do is, um, is get their name on that cup, you know? So I, I, for that, I, I, you know, I, I commend these guys million times over. Yeah. They're, they're among the finest athletes in the world. And, and I try to explain this to people, like the, the amount of effort it takes to just play the game, just to be able to skate. Absolutely. To have um, to have the wherewithal to to just not, you know, get your get your like your bell rung. You got to look up everywhere you go, and you gotta you gotta be able to handle the puck. You gotta be able to forecheck. You gotta be able to backcheck. You gotta be able to, you know, understand Mm -hmm. like where the play is moving and where you need to be. And there's no downtime. It's the most intense like forty five seconds minute 15 or whatever um that that you're experiencing in life it's just so full throttle um yep so yeah and are you cool so yeah you couldn't agree more you're clearly so passionate about the sport are you passing that love of hockey on to your kids now i'm trying to get them into just learning how to skate at this point so my my five-year-old my seven-year-old are 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 learning that 
And um, I think next year I'm going to sign up my seven-year-old for the hockey um, camp here in Philly. Um, Sweet. So, yeah, we'll see. I, I can show them. It's up to them to, you know, to take interest in it, of course. So we'll see what happens. Cool beans. and Absolutely. Absolutely. Mike, it's been so much fun chatting with you. It's almost been an hour now. Um, I guess the last question I want to ask you is, do you remember when you guys went out on tour with KK and his Weathered Underground? Yes. How was that? Because I, I feel like they don't tour much, or maybe I'm just not in the loop as much, but... You know, Tom and I are huge Gatsby's American Dream fans. And, you know, then that was the project that uh, Kirk went on to do with KK. So what was that yeah. experience like for you guys? Because I know there was like a million people in the band. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what it is nowadays. Um, but um, those guys, they had like... Uh, what was the name? Did you say Kirk? Who was the guy who played the cello? He was basically, I thought he was sort of like the, the leader and like wrote all the songs. Um, but I can't remember. And then like, yeah, the guitarist, um, was his name Kirk? Yeah. Did you say Kirk? Yeah. yeah from he, he was in Gatsby's and then went on to do that as his like next project. Cause that dude like was on another level, like as a guitar player, he kind of knew it too. Um, he just basically, I think he was like the best guitar player in like Seattle at the time. Um, it, it was one of those things where like, you just kind of knew this guy could run rings around anybody. Um, if you wanted to, but he was always trying to just stay in the song and, um, and not, he could have, been flashier than he was but like you could tell he really respected um you know the the bigger picture and i feel like he just kind of played his role and um did it perfectly um i remember those guys just being sweethearts and uh i don't know how we ended up coming to be together but um it was a great it was a great honor to be able to do it and uh yeah it was awesome all right cool yeah i, I just was always curious because the, you don't hear so much about that band and you know when yeah we, when they're we still went, together i I couldn't even tell you <laughs> i yeah. couldn't even tell you it's just you know a kind of an unknown for us yeah look that up all right mike well like i said it really has sure. been a blast and we really appreciate this and you know I know that we're all itching for hockey and it's not going on right now, but it was nice to be able to, you know, sit down and talk our sport for, you know, like I said, over an hour and pick your brain about me without you. And, you know, hopefully you get your, your farewell tour in and all that still. And, you know, all the, all the best for you. Yep. Hang in there. We're, we're doing it. We're doing just a matter of when, when is it going to happen, but we're going to do, Yep. Our brother sister stuff and we're gonna do our farewell tour. So stay tuned, kids. Excellent. All right. Absolutely, man. man. And, and like I said, it's 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 been such a pleasure getting to chat with you. And uh you Thanks know, for having that me. uh Yeah, of course, man. And uh we will uh catch up with you soon. Hopefully the hockey season will be upon us again. But you be well and thanks again for being with us and uh Yes. 
you have a, a good one, all right? Okay. Take care, guys. Great to meet you. Go Flyers. And uh, yeah, stay <laughs> safe. All right. Thanks, Mike. All right. Absolutely. Take care. A bar of burn with a cigarette burn and a pawn shop bringing her hand. At the Idaho courts to a firm our divorce. Before the marriage began, and a celery boat singing triangle notes to a horn from the military band. The specter works care of pepper and Shielded the curious eyes of innocent pines from the forest floor, from the frying pan of a celibate man to the fires of the premature. Who could ask for nothing more? We're an unshrunk patch on a tear of the Tommy V, how was that? Uh, like I said, I mean, uh, you know, it, it's such an honor to, um, you know, to talk to Mike. Uh, you know, Me Without You has been one of my favorite bands for, for such a long time. Um, you know, it, it's so cool to get to pick his brain, learn a little bit about, you know, uh, the, the stories and, and how Me Without You has been on for like 20 years. And, you know, uh, he seems super passionate about about the the flyers and that's an awesome thing i always love you know when our guests have that just like complete like immersion uh and passion about it so it was awesome to uh to get to chat with them for sure yeah you know it's funny that a few of our guests that we've had on instead of like talking shit on us of like being islander fans they they always kind of admit that they secretly are you know rooting for the islanders and things like that which is kind of funny to me yeah, I mean, like, who doesn't love an underdog story? And I feel like the Islanders have always kind of been that underdog, you know, with the exception of the, um, you know, the, the cup run where they really were, you know, top of the industry. They've always been scratching and clawing. You know, they've always had, you know, a, a, you know, a great asset here or there. But, you know, the rest of the team built around them is all these scrappy young guys or, you know, these guys that are a little older and. And, you know, kind of redemption stories and that kind of stuff. I think the Islanders have a lot of that. So I think that's why we get a lot of people that are sympathetic towards the Islanders. And I, I love that, you know, but I mean, that's the one great thing about hockey is we talked about it before. But, you know, you go through it all the time, especially, you know, with the with the Red Wings again, you know, being a storied franchise. I mean, in the 90s, you, you couldn't imagine 
you know, a playoff series without the, the Red Wings, you know, with Iserman and, and Fedorov. And, and now, you know, they're they're in like a full rebuild, you know, one of the most terrible teams in the league. So it's just I think that's what's brilliant about hockey is that the paradigm changes constantly. Uh, but I, I can agree with that. You know, I always love it when someone gives us a, you know, a little bit of love for being Islanders fans. So, uh, you know, I, I definitely did appreciate that. And I had to ask that question about KK and his weathered underground, like <laughs> such a bizarre band and like so interesting. Yeah. And it's funny that he says that Kirk was like such a like prestigious guitar player because he didn't even play yeah. guitar in Gatsby's American Dream. Yeah, that's right. He played bass in Gatsby, right? Yeah. So kind yeah, of, he kind did, of funny. Right? And, uh, I- and and I I didn't get to touch upon it with with Mike while we were talking to him, but one of the other cool things about that whole tour is uh you know because KK had you know all the the um the brass you know they had the tuba and the trumpet and all that stuff and I remember that uh you know they came out and played on a couple of Me Without You songs specifically I think they played uh that song the Fox the Cookie and the Crow uh, which is like that parable that like everyone knows where. Aaron's singing about all a bunch of different desserts and stuff. And it's, uh, it's kind of one of those super wacky songs, but I remember them having like 10 people on stage for it and thinking of how ridiculous and cool that was. But, um, so cool. So cool getting to, um, to, to chat with, uh, with, with Mike there. And speaking of, uh, delicious desserts, um, you know, just kind of interested. I mean, you know, we're all probably putting on, you know, a good 10, 15 pounds with this, this quarantine. So like, what have you been snacking on, man? So once we started the quarantine, I went into like full on baking mode. Oh, sweet. (laughs) Yeah. So the first day I made a key lime pie. Oh, man. And I don't know, man. That might be my that might be my favorite pie. It's just so refreshing. Key lime pie, like your absolute favorite? It might be. And it's it's of new. This is a new trend, but it definitely is just a pie that checks off all the boxes. Um, and then the next day I made French macaroons, which I don't Ooh, know, man, sweet. that cookie is such a bitch. It's like the hardest cookie to make because it, it's such a like delicate cookie where the conditions yeah. need to be absolutely perfect for it to get the feet. Mm-hmm. That's what it's called. Like <laughs> this is ridiculous yeah. that I know mm-hmm. this much, No, but you know what? The crazy thing though is like, um, when I talk about baking, right? So, you know, like when you're cooking, like, you know, like, um, like savory stuff and entrees and stuff, like it doesn't necessarily need to be an exact science. Like you could pepper this here and do this and add a little bit of this, a little bit of that. But baking, they say is such an exact science because, you know, a couple of grams off on your flour, a couple of extra grams on your leaveners. And all of a sudden you've got a completely different texture than what you were looking for. And everyone knows that like baked goods are, are so texture driven. Cause you know, obviously you know, a cookie and a cake and like a, you know, like a dough, like they're all different and that mouthfeel is different. So I, I could totally get behind you with that. And like, I, I sit here and talk about all this kind of stuff. Not like I actually bake. A, a, Amanda is like the prestigious cook in our household. Like I don't do a damn thing. And Amanda just keeps creating crazy shit. She made samosas the other day. Yo, so good. So good. Props That's, to Amanda all is, day. Is that that like coconut caramel, like Girl Scout cookie? That's what you're talking about? No, so you're thinking of you're thinking of Samoans. I'm talking samosas are a uh, it's an Indian savory pastry. So what it is is it's a dough, a kind of like, you know, not to like step on any ethnicities, toes or anything, but I guess like the way you could kind of describe it is like 
uh, kind of like a like an Indian hot pocket. I mean, and I hate to say it that way, but that's the the most like kind of normal way I can describe it. But it's filled with like uh, you know different like curries and masalas, and it's got like potatoes and meat. And man, it was it's so good. Um, and the nice thing is, you know, you can make them to be vegetarian. Just use you know a potato and or like lentils and stuff like that. But um, uh, Amanda made these and like so authentic tasting. So I, I like, it blows my mind how good she is at, at cooking. It, it just blows my mind, man. I'm so lucky. <laughs> yeah. That, that was my, my start of my quarantine. And to be honest, my, my food supply has been running, been running low and okay. it's still, I feel like pulling a bandaid off. I'm kind of hesitant to go back to the grocery store and until like it's yeah. absolutely necessary. So all the fun, all the fun snacks and and things that we did have are gone already. So <laughs> gonna be like popcorn on the air fryer kind of nights. Hey man, but listen, you know at, at least at least you got something to get you through because I mean like it's all this idle time, man. I mean it's just like it, it's hard to to not go to to something just to keep you occupied, but. Um, no, I was just interested, you know, for me, like, man, I, like I said, anything Amanda makes, but snacks, like I've been big into fig Newtons lately, man. I, I can't tell you why I just like bought like the Aldi fig Newtons for what? And they were just great. Cents? Yeah. And they were worth every cent. <laughs> Loved it. And now I just can't get enough of fig Newtons. So like, that's, I guess that's my kick now. I don't know. Can't tell you why. It's like feel like that's like what a 70 year old should eat but i'm in it all right well i guess i'll let you get back <laughs> to your fig newtons and uh my fig newtons dude. um i'll talk to you in yeah. a couple of days because we, you know we're gonna keep this trend going and you know sir i'm totally down putting two episodes out a week until things normalize and you know we get back to our normal routine but we got more guests lined up we have all the time in the world on our hands. So, Oh yeah, for sure. I'm just, so you'll be getting more from us and, and, and our um, ridiculous, you know, it, it, I'm, I'm, nonsense that we're yeah. talking about. <laughs> Absolutely. And don't forget, uh, you know, we don't talk about this a lot, but you know, as all, as with all podcasts, if you like what you're hearing, you know, subscribe, uh, BDBD podcast on, on Twitter, uh, like comment, you know, give us feedback. Um, if you really like these episodes, uh, we'd love you to reblog or retweet them just so we can get them out to more people so we get more listeners. It's Like I said, it's really one of those things where we love what we do and we love the conversations that we have. And if you share that love with us, just get us to some more listeners just so they could enjoy it and love it too. So like I said, like, comment, subscribe, BDBD podcast, just um, you know, smash those buttons, as they say, in the, in the Twitterverse and um, you know, make us famous because, you know, if, after this whole quarantine thing is over, if, you know, if I'm famous, it's going to be good for everyone. So <laughs> we, we definitely don't have the faces for, for fame, but, uh, that's true. We don't we're two, two ugly mugs, two ugly mugs, but we're great for the podcast world. So, uh, Tom, exactly. I'll leave it at that. Peace be with you, my friends. Sweet. You're not beating me to it. And also, yeah. And also with you, I tried to good this time. <laughs> All right. See you, man. We've got to make it to next summer You've got so much to lose But I don't
out with me.